There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Megan Gilger, and welcome to the Fresh Exchange Podcast. Hi, friends. Welcome to this week's pod. I am excited to do this one. You guys had such a good reaction to last week's podcast. This one's going to be different, but I just really thank you for all of your kind messages and the response that you guys gave. It's always hard putting yourself out there and then... Um, you know, it's kind of like crickets because when you do a podcast, it's just like you put it out there and it's just empty air. It's not like in a room where you have a conversation and then people react to it. Uh, so it's definitely nice to feel <clears throat> that connection with you guys. So messages always make me feel like <clears throat> you guys are listening and I can just feel connected with you guys. So Thank you so much for doing that. And I just wanted to tell you that. But uh, today we are going to talk about and reflecting on the veggies I loved and the ones I struggled with, as well as some changes I'm going to make. And this is just veggie related. <clears throat> We're not going to talk about anything else. Like we are slowly talking about vegetables. So this is only a portion of my garden. You know, we did one about flowers, some of my favorite flowers I grew. And there aren't really negative flowers, so just flowers that don't maybe <clears throat> aren't as successful as other ones. So, but so I didn't feel like I needed to change anything with my flower situation, though I dream about having a cut flower garden that's like solely set as that. I don't know if we'll do that. I try to tell myself, or I'm telling myself next year we're not expanding. I continue to say it in my head next year we're not expanding. So we're not expanding. <clears throat> for now. <clears throat> Maybe the next year, but definitely not this coming year. So maybe 2023, but don't hold me to that. Who knows? We'll see. Anyways, 
This is all about vegetables. And so this month, even though our gardens aren't completely done, I am reflecting on some of the things that really like hit it out of the park for me and so on. So this is our vegetable related one. It's going to be a little bit longer, I think, because I grew a lot of vegetables. I tried a lot of things and I also didn't do other things. So I learned a lot. As always, you should always be learning in your garden. You shouldn't ever feel like it's done or you really nailed it. And if you did, great. But now how are you going to challenge yourself? Like that's the next thing, right? So I hope you had a great season. I know I did. I felt the garden was magical and I learned so many things and I'll get to some of those other things. But like I said, today we are just doing vegetables. So I'm just going to kick in because we got a lot of ground to cover and I am really pumped about talking about some of these. So first we're going to start with the things I loved because we got to start with the positive, right? So number one thing I loved in the garden might surprise you. Eggplant. Yes, I know it sounds odd, but like eggplants are one of my favorite plants to grow. They are beautiful. They are abundant. You get them right. You get them right. And I will tell you, the eggplants that did the best were the ones that I started myself from seed. And that surprised me. I did, I think they're called Bianca. They're white and purple. They're a smaller eggplant variety. I believe they are Italian. Um, I didn't do the, I did get some starts from a local farm and did another variety and they did fine, but definitely not as well. And I also planted eggplant in four different places and the ones that did the best got plenty of sun in the mornings, less at, in or lots of late sun, sorry, not as much in the morning, lots of late sun in the evening. And then the ones that got a ton of sun, but the ones that were most productive, maybe it's because they're next to the chicken coop, probably, honestly, they're probably getting some like extra chicken yummies from it. Um, but they did incredibly well. I think I harvested over 10 to 12 pounds of eggplants this year. And I have a great recipe for an eggplant spread that I'm going to be posting because it is delicious and we've made it and it is better than hummus or anything like that. And it's coming straight out of your garden, which is incredible. So similar idea, kind of like baba ganoush, but way better, I think. So I think that is definitely the number one. It also has like the most beautiful blossoms you'll ever see. And I like to pick my eggplant really early on. I don't let them get really big. A lot of people will do that. But my thing is, is like, once it can fill your hand, I take it off and that's it. And then we're done. So it just encouraged more and more production It is a nightshade. So you don't want to grow it with your tomatoes and other things like that. But, and it gets pretty big. So you want to make sure that you have a good way to support it and everything, which you can use a tomato cage for instead of using it with your tomatoes. So I highly suggest growing eggplant at least one or two next year. I think you'll enjoy it. The other things I loved were beans. I know it sounds funny, but beans were absolutely one of our favorite things that we grew in the garden. We grew them all along our fencing and they, we grew, I think eight different varieties. And my favorite varieties, there was a bush variety that we did called 
flambo and that was the most productive. It was beautiful. It has like pink pot, pink and white pods. And then the beans themselves are like turned maroon and white when they're ready to be picked, like internally, once they're dry and they're ready to be stored. And all, most of our beans were growing for drying for winter since we eat a lot of beans in the winter. And I loved those. I also love the Scarlet Runner beans, which we got from Fruition. And those are purple and black inside. The pods are green. The flowers are red. <laughs> it's quite the like color story that they give you throughout the season. And then I also loved growing um, black-eyed peas and not a bean per se, but they were wild and cool. Um, these plants were just incredible. I didn't know anything about them. I went into it completely blind and I grew them next to my peppers and they were great buddies. I really, really liked them. Speaking of peppers, we didn't have much success, but, and I have that as one thing I'm going to change, but one of the peppers that we did the best with was our banana peppers. They grew very well, which is very common here in our zone to have great success with them. So other larger peppers like red bell and things like that, I really don't suggest to people because our seasons really aren't long enough to get a good harvest out of them unless you're using a greenhouse and you can start them a lot sooner. So I really suggest if you're just the average gardener to grow banana peppers because they're really successful. We had a great season with sugar snaps and I almost planted another set of them for fall and decided not to just because we ate so many. We were eating them until basically mid-July, early August. I, I They went forever and they were great. We also had a lot of good success with red cabbage and I planted it in and amongst my onions and we did not have cabbage worms. We really had some of the best red cabbage we've ever had. And so I definitely will be planting some more heads next year because it was really nice to grow and it did just so well without getting a lot of bugs, which was great. We loved, like I am now a convert to Swiss chard over kale. If you've really struggled with green cabbage worms, give Swiss chard a try. You can plant it pretty much mid-May if you're in zone six, zone five, um, you shouldn't have a problem. And whether you grow it from seed, I did it both from seed and from starts and had great success with both. The plants that went from starts that I did inside are definitely larger plants. They're still producing and still doing incredibly well. Um, I loved growing it. It was so much fun and so easy to use in place of where you would use kale. We made pestos out of it. We did all sorts of things with it. It, it was such, it's just been so great. And I give it away to people all the time. The other one was we actually had our first super successful season with carrots. And I know it sounds funny, but we really, last year we had some success, but I felt like our soil just like there was too much sand which made it hard to like, it just, I think some of our soil was a little compacted being so new and there was a lot of roots in there. I, I think we just struggled because we had really wide carrots, not long carrots. <laughs> um, and I think we pulled some of them too early. I've learned a lot about carrots and it's been really great to see what varieties work really well for us too. One of our favorites and most successful that we planted in the spring 
was our purple cosmic carrots. They're purple on the outside, orange on the inside. So the carrots or the kids love these ones because you bite into them and it's like a surprise. So they really liked those. Um, as far as tomatoes, we had the best harvest of tomatoes we've ever had. I filled the freezer with, with our tomatoes, like hit our tomato quota, um, basically like mid August, which is unheard of for us. Usually I am putting the last bits in right now. And I had to stop myself and start giving them away because we had so many. And so I tried, I think it was nine varieties of tomatoes this year. And there were two that stood out. I lost a couple varieties in, um, in the early season. And I was hoping that I would get them. I basically started about four to six of each variety inside pretty much every single one took, I gave some away, but we planted over 40 tomato plants. And I will talk about how and what I learned specifically about tomatoes. Probably, I don't know. I'll do it. Don't worry. I don't have it on the schedule right now, but I will because I learned a lot. And I particularly love two varieties. Um, one's I believe determinate and the other one I know is indeterminate without a doubt. Um, and so I did blueberry tomatoes. That was one of them we've done. We did these ones last year and they were abundant, wonderful. And they did so well late in the season, which is key in the Northern parts of the country because this time of year we can get a lot of rain, cool weather, bugs as you know particularly up here with cherry trees and apple trees we get a lot of fruit flies so the moment the rain starts the cherries start cherry tomatoes start splitting it becomes an issue well what's really great about these blueberries is they have thicker skin they're beautiful they're purple and red and they turn red underneath when they're ready to be picked so you can kind of feel like they're hard to understand when they're ready but once they turn orange or red, they're ready to be picked and used. They're incredibly sweet, almost florally a little bit, and they're beautiful. We love them. Um, I love them because they're still going crazy in our garden. And like, unlike the sun golds and regular cherries that have already split and I've had to rip them out because they're bringing in so many bugs and we're having blight issues because of the bugs, um, I don't have to rip these out. We're not having those issues. Uh, they are holding steady and strong through all this water and they are beautiful. So I never thought I would still be picking tomatoes mid-October, but here I am. And I think the fact that these are so great. The other one we have that I loved, like I said, we grew a ton and I can go through the list, but basically it was black beauty, orange jazz, blueberry, um, purple Cherokee, Goldman's, black crim, and striped German. And I'm just in red cherry tomato, or sorry, red cherry and Roma and sun golds. That's more than nine. I don't know. I grew a lot. <laughs> Maybe it was 12. I lost count, but it was a lot. And uh, hands down, I lost our black beauties to cutworms. So I didn't get to enjoy them this year, which sucks. But I did grow some new varieties. Like I'd never grown purple Cherokees and people swear by them. I had never grown striped Germans and a lot of people love them in the Northern regions. And I will agree, did incredibly well. They're a beautiful heirloom variety. We had, oh, I also grew Florentines. 
Yeah, definitely more than nine. Um, but they are definitely my favorite. Like the, the, the striped German was one of my favorites, but I didn't love the meat of them every time. And they didn't get very large. I mean, we had pretty good sized tomatoes, but when you're making like sandwiches and stuff, which is, which is really like why you get grow some larger tomatoes. I really didn't enjoy them as much, but the one that just took the cake and we're talking like 1.5 pounds on the scale cake were the orange jazz. They are beautiful and unbelievable. And I just loved them. They, they weren't even in the best soil and they did incredibly well. They even grew amongst some beans, which is an ideal. And they did incredibly well. Biggest tomatoes, they're still growing out there. Some of our largest tomatoes we brought in and I couldn't be happy with them. So those are definitely been my favorites. Um, the last two are onions. We really nailed it on onions this year. We had a great harvest. We did with garlic too, but that wasn't adjust. I feel like garlic's super easy. Onions can be tricky, um, depending on the variety. And we grew Walla Walla, red onions, green onions, leeks, which I did not do well with because I forgot to hill them. They actually got unmarked by a certain toddler. And so I didn't know which ones were the leeks and which ones were the non-leeks. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't nail it on those. We're still going to use them, but definitely not what I wanted. And but there's so many great onions that we got to harvest this year. And I loved growing them. Lots of yellow onions and they're all drying and curing. And we have plenty of onions for winter, even tiny ones, which is really fun. So I'm so excited. And they acted as such great protectors to our broccoli, collards, a lot of our brassicas <clears throat> this year, which is awesome. Speaking of brassicas, my favorite brassica we grew outside of the cabbage was collards. I never, <clears throat> I had never grown collards before and I will always grow collards. They're still going. They're just beautiful. They're a beautiful plant. Ours now that I've ripped all the onions out from around them are now struggling with green cabbage worms. So once I cut that, it's going straight into the chicken coop and they are going to have a heyday. They are just going to love that. So I'm saving it for the first snow for them to just enjoy something really fun and unique for themselves <laughs> to get them through that first snow. So now <clears throat> the honest conversation of what I struggled with, because I think you can see somebody's garden and be like, oh, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. And it is, but there is no garden without some struggles and learning curves and things like that. And every single year, something challenges me. And this year, my great challenge was one that kind of took me aback because I didn't have this problem before. I think we had some bug issues this year and it made me feel better that some of the farmers said that they struggled with this as well. Because if farmers are struggling with it, then you, you know, they're the professionals, right? So our big problem, we had this super warm winter and then we had a super warm spring, which brought out the season of bugs. Oh my God, the bugs. They were so bad this year. <clears throat> and you know, you know me, I don't grow with any, I don't really use anything. The only thing I ever spray in my garden is some watered down brawners. Um, and that's it. 
I, I did use some diametaceous earth or for cutworms around the very base, but I did it on a day where it wasn't windy and it didn't go anywhere. So it was just on the soil to keep the cutworms away and it did work, but we had so many bugs. I mean, oh my God. But the bug that about did me in this year was the squash bug. We had vine borers and those, I feel like I know how to deal with them now. I, I watch for their eggs around the, on the plant, especially on the stems. And then I think next year we're going to cover some of them, uh, and try that in a certain patch. So I have some ideas that I'm going to play with this summer or this winter in drawing and sketching, but squash were just a pain. I was so convinced that we were going to have this amazing harvest of squash this year. I really wanted to. And every single squash plant I planted there, like we tried the center, center cut squash and I planted it five times. I'm not even kidding you from seed from starts. I tried everything and every single time the squash bugs took it down before I could ever get to even saving it. And so it was horrendous and absolutely murderous out there. But no matter how, I mean, one night I picked over a hundred squash bugs off plants and I've read a lot about this. And I think that the best way to avoid them is thinking about like, um, succession planting because this year I just was like, okay, you guys are winning clearly, but I'm going to continue on this. Like I'm going to see when the time is that you stop being so just crazy. So it's hard too, because chickens don't eat them because they stink and they have really hard outer shells. And there are ways with chemicals and things like that. And even organic quote unquote chemicals that you can use, but I'm not doing that. Like this is a home garden. I'm not making money on growing squash and it's not in my livelihood, but what I decided to do and what I learned is the squash that I planted the beginning of July is still giving us fruit right now. The only plants that did it, the only ones that survived were the ones that were planted at the beginning of July. And I think what it was is that those beginner plants were the, they, they just got sucked to death and those bugs were on them. And I still found some squash bugs later in the season, a little bit on them, but they were not like the other ones. They were not as vicious. They were not as intense. They were not laying their eggs as much. And so, which the nymphs are the ones that just like take the plant down to the ground. So, and we did, I did find too, that squash vine borers did exist in our, in our, um, plants, but most of them continued on and continued fruiting. They definitely struggled, but they still fruited enough that we got something out of them. And succession planting worked. So I started reseeding things in like early to mid July. And I now have gotten probably, you know, 10 pounds of squashes, like zucchini center cut. And then we have a few more that are coming in right now. Um, I did not do pumpkins, butternut. I did delicata, but they just, they got taken by the bugs too. And I just didn't do a second planting of those because they're so easy to buy at the market. Um, but I didn't do pumpkins at all this year. I didn't even start them. So 
I wish we had, but um, that's a dream. That's one of those things I plan to change. But we also didn't do melons. We tried two melons and I got one. It was, I think the soil sucked where they were planted to, in all honesty. We got one tiny watermelon. I mean, it looks like one of those like cucumber gherkin things. We got one of those. <laughs> um, that was the saddest thing that happened in our garden this year. Uh, but the other thing that just was a struggle for us was tomatillos, but not in the way you may anticipate. Tomatillos took over our garden. They were like a weed. I pulled tomato, tomatillo plant after tomatillo plant after tomatillo plant. And after I finally got enough tomatillos, I ripped them out and I took all of them out. I found every single tomatillo that I still could and took it out of the garden, threw them into the woods. So we'll probably have lots of tomatillos growing in the woods next year, but needless to say, I think that they were a success in some regards, but they were also a challenge in others because they take up a lot of space. So if you need a tomatillo start next year, I'm sure I could help you out. The other one that I struggled with, but it was still really great, still worked out fine, was fennel. Fennel never bulbed this year for us. And I don't know why. I had the same problem with kohlrabi too. We really struggled to get it to bulb. And so I think there's something with the soil I got to figure out this year. If you have any tips about that, I would be glad to take it instead of going to the Google machine. But I just am realizing like some things just don't work some years, but like the year before I had great success with both of those. So you just never know. Um, but those are the biggest ones. And I honestly don't know if we're going to grow sun golds next year. That's the other one, just because they just didn't, um, like they were super abundant, but they take over and you have to prune them a lot and they need somewhere to climb. I will only grow them if I put them over an arch, I think. So that's the other thing. It wasn't that they, some things it's just like they were overabundant and not in a good way. So that's one of them. So the things that I'm planning, like these are just like a few things specifically with plants or vegetables that I'm planning to change next year already. I'm thinking in my mind, one of them is our pepper location. I think where the tomatoes were this year, I'm going to rebuild that soil over the winter and I'm going to do a two row pepper patch and see and play with some pepper varieties and see how they go. I think the patch, that patch is where they need to be. And then we're going to move tomatoes into a different area next year, which I have an idea about. And I'm excited to see how that goes. The other thing is my squash timing. Like I said, I think I learned more about how timing with it works and how, and I think I'm going to grow some Hubbard in order to like capture some of those squash vine borers and give it some of that, you know, hopefully offset. And I know there's some like less heirloom varieties that are more resistant to like zucchinis that are able to fight off the squash vine or not the squash vine boars, the, uh, the squash bugs. So I'm going to play and do some more research on that, but that's one of the things I'm thinking about, which speaking of squash, I'm also going to grow butternut next year again. We loved that. And it's pretty resistant to squash bugs. So I feel like I feel like we're pretty good on that one and we could try that. The other thing I'm thinking about, this is where I have to tell myself like I'm not expanding, <laughs> is I really think I want to remove our strawberries from where they are 
and move them somewhere else. But I'm resisting because the kids love where they are. So we had a lot of success with them. I'm really proud of them, but I'm also wanting to move them. Um, and then I'm also thinking about moving our raspberries too, because they're going to just expand in a massive way. I can already tell. And I don't want to take up that whole garden area for raspberries, but I might wait two years to do that because I think there's a cycle with some of that. And so there's years that are better to do that with them. Then, like I said, I really want to figure out how to do more squash next year. I was really sad to not have as much squash and I, I really want to go after that one. So I think next year is the year of the squash. I'm going to really research some companion planting situations. I heard great things about nasturtium, which hasn't always been a huge success for me, but I'm going to try again. I think nasturtium struggled where we were planting it. And I think I'm going to shift up our squash patch this year. I have an idea. So we'll see. Or this next year. But yeah, that's that's the rundown on our vegetable garden this year, the things I loved, the things I didn't, the things that I just really struggled with. And I know there's not a lot there in the struggle category, but it's bigger than you think. I mean, squash about did me in this year. So I almost gave up because <laughs> um, I had done a lot of companion planting in hopes that I could offset it. And it felt like it didn't work. So this is just to say, like, you got to keep trying things. You got to keep working at it. And, um, it taught me a lot this year. So I'm very thankful, but yeah, I hope that this is extremely helpful and I would love to hear any tips and tricks that you guys have. Uh, next week we are going to talk about why we need to start when we're thinking about planning our gardens this year. Um, for the next year, why we also need to be doing some research on history and understanding our plants. It's fascinating. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that next week. And I'm even going to tell you some like amazing things that I have learned through the process of doing research on these plants. So it's one of my favorite things and I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. So until then, my friends, I'll see you out there. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 